This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hi, Rubin. How are you? I'm fine. I, you know... Back in the studio together. I know. I've been kind of missing you. I know. It's. It's. Just, I really do like the face-to-face, I gotta be honest. It's... Uh, you, <laughs> I feel like we had company over and like we don't we don't talk anymore. You know, it's like I've been missing just us connecting. I know. We, and we it's we're, we're getting eclipsed by these amazing people who you bring in and it's always fun like I miss that we just just talk, the chat. Just chatting and seeing you on Sunday mornings and having some coffee in the I closet, know. you know. But what I really like too though about the about the guests is guests it was just being able to see or hear um kind of the connections between all of them and seeing these, uh, not trends, but these like common commonalities that would happen. You know, it's, um, sorry about that. Uh, it's the same about photography. Yeah. Right. It's like individually each, each guest is like a photograph. And then when you start oh, putting them together, <laughs> right, you see where yeah. I'm going with this, you put them together and suddenly you find, um, themes that yeah. did, like even, it didn't change anything about each of the talks, but now you're hearing stuff differently because after talking to Russell Brown, and then when you talk to Doug Menuet, totally, it, it's different. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And uh, then talking to Chris and then Nigel, you're like, oh, right. I, that makes me think about that differently. There was um, a, a set of books I grew up with called The Great Books of the World. Mm-hmm. It was like Encyclopedia Britannica published these books. And... They're each these. I don't know where I'm going with it, but they're each you know um, Darwin and mm-hmm. Copernicus and all these amazing works of history and writing, and they stand alone, of course, and you can read Copernicus, mm-hmm. right? But the thing that always made that set of books um, particularly amazing was something that the Encyclopedia Britannica geniuses mm-hmm. put together, and it was called the Syntopicon. And it, the, it, you know, it, it was a tiny volume at the beginning, and they had gone through all of the great books, and they followed themes that threaded through them through time. Oh, wow. So you could follow, you could read Copernicus and Darwin and all these people mm-hmm. with following through a theme about, um, you know, humanity or yeah. man's place in the world or yeah. whatever these topics were. And I wonder... But they give you, like, the lens. Yeah, it just helps you, like, follow a thread through history. And I think that this episode is like our Syntopicon, where we can... I like it. I think we should uh, take a moment to pause and look through the threads of ideas through these three or four very different, very different photographers. Oh, absolutely. And it's kind of like... So, I don't know. I thought maybe we would spend uh, just an episode with you and me. Yeah. And just sort of think about these these people and what we what's our takeaway and i'm particularly interested in your takeaway because you in many cases didn't know them and yeah. sometimes it's the first time you've heard absolutely them. well i think we started to i started to say this during the episode with nigel but would love to unpack it more is across these four photographers and i really feel like i'm growing a lot in you know my knowledge of photography and how i look at it but 
it's like the or the fine artist or the commercial photographer they can be different than the uh, documentary or the the journalistic um, photographer and so the create kind of not, not creative photographer that they're not that, that they're all ever, creative. they're all creative right, thank you right. but that they're looking to like create the perfect shot and in fact you know what Nigel said I don't get paid to fail he is he and everyone else that like of a commercial photographer variety they are have to concept what they're going to do because they have to get an entire fleet of people motivated and moving in the same direction to make that shot happen mm-hmm. whereas if you have like more of a documentary film uh, a documentary photographer or a photographer like a journalistic photographer they're looking for that perfect moment but they're kind of they're almost like waiting for that perfect moment to happen well, um, or find that perfect moment Nigel spoke to that it. you know he talked about um, he's not going to just stand by the rabbit hole and wait for the rabbit to come out he's going to friggin send a ferret <laughs> in there and he's going to get that rabbit <laughs> right. out on cue right. on demand right. and it's when I hear that I think you know personally I'm much more in the Doug Menuey school right. of you know, I'm not here to make stuff happen. I mean, uh, to be fair, you know, Nigel described that as reportage, right? Yes, the, exactly. Be, that you're not changing the scene. Mm-hmm. He, where Nigel completely changes the scene. Like, yeah. he makes the scene. He right. creates this event uh, and has utter confidence in his ability to do that. It's right. com- like so um, narcotic to be around such charisma. Yeah. Like, he really... Like just talking to him on, you know, yeah. right there. It's like, yes, yeah. yes, I'll follow you into battle. <laughs> you are so confident about this. Yeah. This seems like a great idea. You no, know, but it's funny. I, I, like, I feel as a photographer, I feel like I have that same confidence in my photography, mm-hmm. but it's not that I'm going to go in and command the situation and execute it and deliver the goods. In fact, when I'm shooting someone, I kind of say exactly the opposite. I think Nigel would completely agree. This is not how he works. Yeah. Which is, I can walk into any situation, lighting, who knows, the, the scene, who knows what's going on, right. and I will find a beautiful moment. I'll find a, a poignant something. I will get a great picture. I have absolute confidence in that, but I'm not creating it. I am waiting by the rabbit hole. I yeah. just believe I can be patient, and I will see it there. Right. But that is so different. But from you're maybe not even, you're waiting by the rabbit hole, but you may not shoot the rabbit. You may shoot the hunters waiting on right. you know stage left. Well, that's what it means to be super, I would say, my version of creativity yeah. is like, I'm not sure how I'm going to solve this. I tell people when I'm photographing them, don't have expectations. Like, right. I don't know. This is jazz. We're improvising. We are going to, <laughs> we will work together and something may amazing be, may be created. Right. And that will be awesome. But maybe not, you right. know, it's like, I, I'm not imposing on this, I, but I have a lot of faith that we will make something great. And I'm, it's so interesting to be around someone like Nigel, who comes to a situation as like, I will, I will deliver the goods. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I identify quite a lot with, with understanding that position. Um, he, you know, the way that I see, see that world is there's so many different personalities coming together to make something and the budgets are high. You know, there's investment, there's clients, there's um, models, there's, you know, hair and makeup. There's everyone is looking for this vision of what they're trying to achieve together. And if you don't have that sort of very charismatic voice, um, very charismatic personality that's like, you guys, we, I got this. 
we, you know, trust in me, like, here's where we're going, this is what we're going to do. And even if they need to pivot, just following that level of confidence and almost that show is is crucial. And from a client perspective is you need to you want to make sure that your investment is with the right person, not someone who's just like sitting back and everyone's, you know, if your role isn't certain, people get uncomfortable. Ambiguity is the mother of anxiety. And so if you're not absolutely clear with what your role is on something, people start to get nervous because everyone's insecure about their own job. I'm, you know, on that, whether they're the model or the makeup or whatever. So if he almost needs to be this bigger than life personality with this passion of, I'm ready, let's go. Yeah, no, it's like a president or a general or someone who's, you know, he's a leader. He's Mm -hmm. he's like a great leader. Yeah. Uh, What a different skill that is than Doug Menuey, who comes in and... Um, you know, this is interesting. Like for a photojournalist, um, you a lot of it is about access, getting into uh-huh. to these places that most people can't get into, and then you're kind of responsible to showing us what you see in yeah. this place that no one else could get into. And there's kind of a couple ways to get in that locked door, push through that door. And I know a lot of sort of photojournalists that are sort of like paparazzi who they just like like Nigel maybe mm-hmm. they just make it happen. You want me to go photograph that thing? I will right. get through that door. I will talk my way in. I will get the picture. Right. And um, you know, damn, be t- obstacles. I yeah, will yeah. overcome obstacles. And then there's this other kind of way you get in the door, which is you know you sweet talk your way in. You get build people's trust mm-hmm. and you. connect with them and you recognize the scene as sort of a privileged intimacy as we've talked about and they let you in and then your pictures reveal this sort of inner truth and I think that I I believe Doug works that way and I I sort of hope that my stuff is a little bit more like that it's just funny to me that there's so many different ways everyone uses the word photographer we all have cameras and our lives, our experiences, what we're good at, what we like about it, mm-hmm. are so completely different. Oh, totally. Um, let's back. Let's like look at each of the episodes a little bit. Yeah. Let's see what we've got here. Well, actually, just riffing on yeah. what you were saying about Doug um, and how kind of getting in the door or getting that access. Just what I really liked is he has this. Well, he clearly has an eye, even for like those passing moments, and he's just so he's able to be so nimble and reactive and just work in this moment of of improv of like, oh, I see it got it or let's do this or whatever and he he just comes across with this deep integrity and you know care of that connection and making sure that there's like that connection first and and sort of throughout it's not like he would never be one of the paparazzi that's like get in i got the picture and i'm out it's um (laughs) it's really more about i got the moment and i was there for that yeah. The, the lens I'm looking at is sort of, again, my own photography and who who yeah. am I kind of like? Who do I feel like? And Doug, definitely the photographer of the set that was most felt most like the way I approach the world. It yeah. could be his haircut. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it was just like, it was, it was, I mean, good. He has great choice in hats. He does. He is. He's a. But I also, he's particularly stylish for a photographer. I think he looks. He dresses cool. I mean, I feel like all. I feel like a lot of photographers are very stylish. You don't feel that way. No, well, some photographers are very introverted and don't care how they... So we have a photo walk today at, mm-hmm. at Fort Point. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So there'll be... And it's well... Like, we've got 75 RSVPs. It should be a big event. That's a, and it's perfectly gray outside. I so love it's your that. favorite it's light. Really nice. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to rain. Oh, good. Uh, it, but when you see groups of, of photographers, I think a, many photographers are that because they're sort of introverted mm-hmm. and they just are watchers and they're observers of the world 
and it, it sort of legitimizes a personality that's kind of quiet and observing and certainly not desiring to be on the other side of a camera. Right. Like you're just, you're kind of, I wouldn't call it meek, but mm -hmm. it's definitely out of the spotlight. Mm -hmm. That trait, I don't always, uh, you know, connect to someone who dresses fashionably and uh, likes being out there and talking. Like they're different, right? Mm -hmm. So Doug, I don't know, he's particularly stylish. Yep. And Nigel, well, he was a model. Yeah. You know, he lo looks great on camera, period. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Well, what I liked about I'm just kind of cutting mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. um, the different the different episodes, but what I also really liked about talking to Chris is how she used the photograph to to edit and how she would create she was creating a story out of I know we you and I talk about this a lot about wait 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 interview with Chris Sanford and she's the f fine artist correct okay yeah. so now I could okay. kind of throw <laughs> that in there in case anyone wasn't sure so in doing. our interview with Chris Sanford what I really what I really liked about hearing about her work was how you know she would take these found photographs and these pieces of history effectively but use them as almost raw material to then create her own level of narrative and her own level of story and using the constraints of literally a crop and how powerful a crop can be that's it i mean that would be my takeaway from in particular from the chris yeah. interview was well first of all i have my issues with composition and i feel like her circular crops when i as soon as i saw that i realized this is a really good example of why a lot of these rules of composition are bullshit <laughs> <laughs> because you they can't if, in many cases that you, you can't apply them to a circular frame and yet that's stupid the fact that that's a fringe shouldn't be a fringe case composition works in any kind of frame a circle mm -hmm. a square an irregular thing composition is a function of whatever's in whatever and the frame is part of the composition it's that they all go together yeah so seeing her stuff of course it was a great reminder to me that you know what composition it's much more like ikebana it's much more like flower arranging than it is like following these rules of lines and proportions and shit like that i hate that okay <laughs> you do hate that i do it's hate true. that but the other thing and we were talking about that this morning you free like she is not a researcher she wasn't going and finding historical pictures of gay couples and then whatever showing stuff right she was going through through raw material historical material and noticing things that may or may not have been what was going on well and i think she says too it's it's an imagined it's it's what she's seeing from her lens and so it's right. like it's an imagined um, a sort of a fictional narrative right. that's being layered on top because she's focusing in on these very small moments and making them appear bigger. But it makes us notice them by yeah. by putting this little circle on the the hands bumping into each other, the mm -hmm. the touching. It's like we missed this, and here Look this again. is how I see this. Yeah. I notice that it's about like noticing yeah. this kind of moment and. Again, it doesn't matter if it was implicit, in, if it was real, right. if it was really going on in 1950 when this picture was taken. Mm -hmm. But it calls into, it, again, it reminds us that A, that cropping and framing and all that change meaning, yeah. add meaning, that may or may not have been there when you took the picture. That's true of all photography, but she makes it, it's much clearer when uh, a woman is interested in articulating her experience as a gay woman mm -hmm. in America and notices these things and right. they have meaning for her. What a great use of teaching us about 
photography and, and w- the power of the image and of cropping. And the power it. of the crop. I yeah. mean, what I also liked in how she was describing it was that the circle was sort of uh, representative of a people. Because kind of, especially yeah. going, you know, it was almost like these secret moments that you were spying on, you know, someone else, like out in the hallway, out, out in the world, um, out, out your front door. And from what you were doing behind your closed doors, you were seeing, you know, a different perspective on things. And I, I really, I just, I really enjoyed her, her work. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. But I also really liked how she talked about her students and how, I mean, as a teacher that, how times have changed and you know we heard nigel say photography used to be a rich man's hobby mm-hmm. and if you could afford to do it and then with the advent of the iphone or the camera phone it has really democratized photography and so people her students come into her classroom not never having taken a photo or maybe which a is role, how it used to be which is how it used like to you'd be. show up in a class like i'd like to learn photography right. i've maybe never really taken a picture now i'm in a class and yeah. i'll learn it yeah but and that's not what's going on now. Exactly. And she, I mean, she's saying they've taken thousands upon thousands of photos. And so it's, it's as much about unlearning some of these bad habits on how they're, you know, snapping a photo, applying a filter, moving on with their day and trying to almost get them to stop and think and take a step back. It is hard. I, I, I'm certain it's hard to unlearn years of picture taking and not thinking about photography, not yeah. thinking about what else you can do like how you can control what people see what the story is you get to apply it it's not just this document right and that transition for people when a photograph moves from being a record just like literally taking a picture of where you parked your car (laughs) and it's just a a record of this thing because i need that information presented visually to how do i feel about this thing what is my comment like chris's work Mm -hmm. where what am i going to can I change the way I see this by something, the crop, the look, the, yeah. the exposure? Yeah. Um, talking about exposure, uh, the other theme in my Syntopicon that yeah. I want to thread through here. This needs to be the name of the episode, by the way. Syntopicon? Yeah. It's, it's a great word. <laughs> it I, is a I, great I don't word. know if they made it up or if that's a real word. It doesn't matter. It sounds like it has Latin roots. We could probably figure this out. Oh, I'm certain it's Latin <laughs> or, or maybe Greek. I don't know. Um, but the theme, Russell, uh, really, first of all, Russell is like having your your fourth grade art teacher is is like Doc in Back to the Future, right? <laughs> His hair is out. He's crazy. He's passionate about what he does and about art and about creating things, and he will infect you with his enthusiasm for doing it. Right. And every kid in the class is going to make something fun and be born again about art, right? Yeah, with a teacher like that, I mean, we, you can't help but make something amazing. No wonder he's been doing it. So, you know, I met him back when I was, he was the photo guy, but I was like the video guy mm-hmm. back in the 80s, and my life was about evangelizing the use of video in everybody's mm-hmm. hands, and I wrote books about it, and he was doing this with, with Photoshop, and... He's been doing it for all of the, like, I've gone and done other things. Mm-hmm. and they have, He is, a, like, talk about a domain expert and commitment to this vision of getting people to play with their pictures, right. to manipulate those pixels. So I know where he's coming from. He, he, you know, he is adamant that images are malleable. And I do think that it's just clay. It's just clay. Absolutely. You know, and, and we are all fourth graders playing with clay. He's getting us excited about that. Mm-hmm. That being said, that is, uh, here's another metaphor. This just like <laughs> my morning coffee metaphor. <laughs> Coffee's uh, kicking in. <laughs> movies, movies used to be photographic 
execution. They were products of photography. You had a cinematographer who was a photographer, and you take pictures, and you're telling a story with the pictures you're taking. And when computers were invented and got better, the medium could shift from being a photographic medium to effectively a drawing medium. The skills were about what you could. It's a, just a blank canvas, and I can draw anything here. And I, I refer to that sort of as the comic bookization of cinema, hmm. because now it's not a bunch of photographs; it's a bunch of drawings, and you can tell a very different story when you can draw them in any possible way. You're collecting elements. It's very much like the Yulesman work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the green screen is just a, a very convenient way to get one element that I'm going to put together with other elements. Mm-hmm. And it made it hard. As an editor for me in, in Hollywood, it was hard. It used to be you'd watch four takes, you know, ten takes of someone doing the scene, and you'd choose the best one. And it's hard work. Like, mm-hmm. well, you know, she's really good there, but mm-hmm. he's not great. But uh, that's pretty. But their interaction is not. So you're you're picking, and that's a right. certain skill, and mm-hmm. you shoot it a certain way. And I remember there was this moment where the technology had gotten so far that the question was, well, in take two, Ruben's really good, but in take three, Suzanne is really good. Let's use her from a different take and put it in the same frame. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wow, we just like took this up to 3D chess. Like, I don't know all the permutations <laughs> now. Now I'm not just looking at what's the best take, but like what's the best moment in different things. Right. That is a way different kind of job to do. Mm-hmm. It's not better or worse. It's just a different job to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to do that job. Mm-hmm. So all that said, I think that, that Russell embraces this idea that photography is just collecting elements and it's an illustrator's medium and it's an art form and it's... It's just wonderful and fun and creative, and it is all of those things, but it used to be something else. I think it goes through the, into the brain because it seems like it is has a kind of reality to it. When you look at Jerry Yulesman's stuff, it's so fantastical that I don't think anyone would ever mistake it for reality, but I think that we, it has an effect on us because it has elements that are real. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I I know that we we sort of see these things differently. I definitely see it more like uh, Russell Brown, where I I see the art in every image, and I don't inherently trust that it is. I don't necessarily see it as oh, this is truth, like hamburger tree. I would you know, and you're saying that is fantastical, so no one would see it that way. But even with a lot of imagery, I question first. I, I see it as art, and I see it as beautiful, but I question that it how how real is that? That's sort of my default. What was the movie? You, you'll probably know this. Um, it was like one of the very first movies that was shown in cinema, and it was a train kind of coming toward oh, yeah. the camera, and everyone ran out of the theater right. because they thought the train was going to break through the screen. Right. And so it's it's like back in the day when photography was you know the way to capture something most realistically, people assumed it was truth. And now, it, as as time has gone on, like I don't have the I don't have the deep background of. Um, photography that you do and so I've come into it is I've come into it like kind of growing up with Photoshop well, and growing up with that collaging maybe it's a generational thing and that photography and I'm just old school the idea that a photograph might have, convey something of reality is an old thought and, and maybe young you youngsters <laughs> <laughs> you, young, uh, uh, you know don't think of photos that way that it's just it's all illustration. I just don't buy it. I think that you do, I think it goes into your brain as if it's real. I think it's like Orson Welles in War of the Worlds, that people had radio and things sounded like news. They came through as gospel Mm -hmm. and he played with that. He like made a total crazy fiction out of this thing. 
And just because he told you at the opening of the show that this is a radio play and we're making this up, right. it's like that's the context that you and and Doug Menue mm-hmm. had pointed out saying it's okay to mess with this stuff because context. I know who it was from. I know that this is from a journalistic thing. It's a trusted source. And I'm saying, yeah, okay, the internet strips out context all the time. We know it's it's a great dream that pictures have the context and then we look at it and we know if that's fake or not fake. But I'm saying, no, it's like War of the Worlds. It gets, it gets stripped of its context. It goes through all of those brain barriers that make us whatever and it and then we have a reaction oh my god there's bombs coming into <laughs> los angeles you know or whatever the thing is and I, and i'm and i don't think you can totally abdicate responsibility in the i think it's very much like gun makers or you know uh, people who make something and say it's just a tool we have no responsibility for how everyone uses it and i think yeah maybe you, you don't i mean as artists of course you use your tools and but I think that there is a, some kind of responsibility in there because it's sneaking in and it affects public policy. I put a picture up that looks real and I've subtly f- fixed it. It gets swept up into the current of of posts on the internet. I can sit on my high horse and say, well, I told everyone that it was fake. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's kind of ingenuous. And the truth is it's only good because people think it's kind of real. That's well, what makes it amazingly I mean, good. If you're capitalizing on that, if you're capitalizing on that people think it's a real image and it's knowingly not, mm-hmm. like then you are going to be losing like your integrity as not speaking up and saying, hey, maybe this context was stripped away. If it's, if it's really flooding, floating that much to the top of public flotsam, um, <laughs> I think that you, you would have a responsibility to sort of clarify that. But I think, I, I guess I look at things as... Okay, that, that's an interesting image. I wonder why, like, why that was made. What? Because even with photography and cropping, you're not showing everything. It's not completely. Nothing is. Nothing is absolutely true as a full 360 reportage. Even so, if it was 360, it might not be. But you're right. Yeah. It, and of course, that's what what Chris is teaching us. Yeah. Right. Like, look at the context that's created just by a simple crop. Exactly. We, and even when we know that those pictures might not represent real couples of any kind. Totally. It, and yet we see them that she's managed to make this exhibit uh, this this exploration and it feels like we're totally peering into a reality that we But I think missed. that's okay. I think art so can think make you feel. Art, yeah, she's you know? an artist, but a lot of pictures are people are doing as if it's reportage, right? It's 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 I'm documenting my day, my work, but if I want to go in and sort of mess with it, Nigel spoke to this like and in putting on makeup, is that faking it and and dodging right. a little bit, burning out the background, is that faking it? I don't know. I think maybe it's I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I like that this conversation keeps coming up though cuz I think the more people we talk to, the m- it's just there's more information, there's more context and there's sort of this uh, continued reference. I don't think the conversation will probably ever be over, but I like having it. Yeah, I do too. Russell's a treat to hang oh, out with. Amazing. You know, he's just a, a zany. Zany <laughs> is not a word I use frequently or lightly. I mean, or it's lightly, definitely. Yes. But I think <clears throat> I think Russell Brown is zany. Mm-hmm. I think profoundly creative and passionate comes mm-hmm. through this. And yeah, I think of him like a like my fourth grade art teacher or something like that. My favorite, your favorite teacher who got you into being a like I, hooked on it in the right, first place. You know, you, you, I think you're going to talk to adult artists 
across the world, and they would think back, you know, it all started with this one great teacher. <laughs> and I think that, that Russ is sort of that, yeah. is that guy. I really enjoy talking to him. He is, he's so just exuberant, and I think what was really fun is just he had such passion, like, bubbling out of him. You didn't know where a story would go. I mean, honestly, oh, it yeah. started in one direction, and then you're just like, whoa, that was a surprise. Well, no, and he was so, so exciting. <laughs> Russ has been around since the dawn of time mm -hmm. with this stuff, with this technology. So his story, I mean, he could go on all day. You could just put him in a chair and just let him tell stories of the creation of of all this technology. And interestingly, you have Doug Menuet, who back when I was, you know, coming up through Silicon Valley in the early days, Doug was the photojournalist of Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Like, if there was a news story about Sun Microsystems or, like, some technology company, yeah. you know, he was covering it. Yeah. And so it just happened to be the most amazing thing in history it was the birth and growth of Silicon Valley. And he, he was there. You know, he was inside those offices and talking to these people who were all young. And so, I mean, he's known Russell Brown by covering the birth of Adobe and all right. that stuff. It's fun to look back through old Doug Menuet photos mm -hmm. and you see Russ in there in his yeah. uh, bushier-headed days. Yep, and, yep. <laughs> you know, Saw those pictures. <laughs> it's cool. So, um, and that he would know Steve Jobs or, you know, any of the creators of these companies. And I think that really speaks to his, uh, just like the the integrity that he brings to his moments of intimacy, where it's like, you know, he's he's there, he's 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 a constant, he's trustworthy. And I think what's amazing is for Doug, he brings this level of integrity to his intimacy. And you see that, I mean, that he would be there for all those years uh, with Sun and Steve Jobs and, and everyone that it's, especially with a lot of big personalities at that time that could be fickle and have people in, have people out. Mm -hmm. But I think what's, it, it, what's interesting is he, he's so true that he, he could stay through those turbulent times. And what I like about Chris Sanford is that she also has this intimacy. And we didn't even talk about this earlier, but I mean, her work that covers, you know, over a decade with mm -hmm. she shot people in the early 2000s and then came back and shot them a decade later. Yeah. And I, I think that that also speaks to her level of integrity with her, the intimacy of the people she's shooting, that there's still this relationship and she still gets these beautiful moments that tell a different uh, not not a different necessarily, but I guess you just you read into it. You see these two photos side by side, and then you look at the second one, and you think, "I wonder how their life has changed." <laughs> well, th th I mean, that's something we've seen in a, a number of these photographers, uh, Doug as well. When you take pictures of someone, because it is such as intimate, sudden, strange relationship that it's created, photographers frequently have an unusual connection to their subject that then lasts. In, yeah. in Doug's case, he can go back years and years later and connect back with Steve Jobs because they he's a trusted person in this space. And I think that for Chris, it's exactly the same way. She has met these young people, took pictures of them, and then can go back 10 years later, 15 years later, mm -hmm. and shoot them again yeah. because they've established this. I, I would imagine... I don't know. Do you think that is true for Nigel as well, where he's he, he's different because he hasn't built that same kind of relationship, but he, of course, it's shown that he delivers the goods that he uh, that he executes beautifully. And again, that's a kind of trust too. People Absolutely. like how they are captured by someone, and they right. want to be they're okay being captured again once you've set that up. But I think he also really talked about 
um, just the importance of capturing like the capturing the beautiful but like capturing the winning moment making everyone look like a winner he talked he, the story yeah. about the soccer players and saying you know if you set up a winning shot you've got a winning shot every time and so it, it, you know but it res like that's one kind of point of view right, he, right. he's delivering the goods and right. and honestly that is so friggin entrepreneurial oh yeah like, well, i could <laughs> the cover the whole game or i could just get the goal shot from everybody and then sell them all pictures right genius yeah like, he's a great like that's he, no wonder he's an entrepreneur today. He right. has that the core of that in his system of yeah. figuring out how to make money from your skill. Totally. Right? My feeling, like, I mean, I consider myself a, myself a career entrepreneur as well, but there's something about setting up the shot that w mm -hmm. doesn't sit well with me. Like, I would still sit there at the game and I would find the spot where you get the good picture, but then I'd still end up waiting the entire game for the couple people who did it, but the but the, it would be a real moment. I'd feel like I'd captured their actual exuberance of score. Like that mm -hmm. would be important to me in the process, even at the risk of not getting a picture of everybody. Not super smart business, yep. but it's like that's my <laughs> <laughs> but that's my feeling about the photography. Doug, do you want to say anything else about? Doug? I mean, this guy is such a nice guy Doug he just, it just I comes know. out as you're talking I, I feel like with everyone too I just uh, what's been really great is I again I'm looking at my own photography differently and hearing the experiences and the stories that they're sharing is uh, is really it's really powerful I like in the episodes we've done like I want to see if we can get our shows better I like this thing we're doing where we check and see what photos are on people's walls I like that too it's, I've been really <clears throat> enjoying and in the show notes we have the pictures that people have on their walls Doug's yep. photograph from the tequila you know uh, sessions that he did I love it. it it's it's almost abstract you know that be that the form of a person mm -hmm. and it's out of focus the woman uh, going up the stairs yeah, yeah. like it doesn't feel it's not like that journalistic picture that you think it might be but it captures a lot about what that experience was for him i love that picture and how different that is than the led zeppelin plane picture that, right. that nigel has on his wall which is inspiring like i can see him going out his door every day and looking at that picture being like ballser you know like <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm gonna own this and yeah. like, those guys lived and they pushed it to the max and then and, what chris had with a theater in michigan and this kind of abstract, um, the abstract message on the marquee where you're like, okay, like it, you, I'm forgetting the exact phrasing. You missed, we may have missed each other. Or, have, right. and I just think all this personal. It's so beautiful. Isn't that photography in some way where it's just, it's sort of a personal message in plain sight mm -hmm. in public. Like that's what the picture is. Yeah. And maybe not everyone understands all the cons, con the context of it but it still has an effect on you. Yeah. You don't have to know the context of how it was, what it was really written for. Right. So much good stuff there. Like I thought that Chris is, I like talking to teachers. I hope to, there's a few other people who I'm hoping we can get on who are educators, yeah. photographic educators. Cause it's, but just, I feel like everyone we've talked to actually is an educator in a way. I mean, they all teach master classes or they good. do, yeah. you know, I, I, Nigel, Doug, Russell, they all right. teach master classes. Chris obviously teaches um, a university course, but, I, I think, think that they all educators. I think it's probably hard to support yourself as a photographer in many cases in the world. So you would always be building other stuff going as you're building your career. I think you need to have a passion for teaching, but I think that I think all photographers might have to always be thinking about 
I don't know, supporting themselves through their art. Oh, I, I see. And I see it maybe wow. less practically. I see it as like they uh, they just have such a passion that they for this thing that they love that they want to share it and they want to help others you know, get better and and learn more. And also to have, you know, have that opportunity to continue to learn themselves. With a lot of teachers, I think you learn as much from the class as you do. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they learn kind of like these, these photo walks kind of bring. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, it's not that I'm complacent, but like I, you know, I take pictures the way I take pictures and you sort of settle into your comfort zone of what, what you do. And mm-hmm. then you see other photographers working in the same scenario. Like we're all out doing the same thing. Right. And you just notice, oh, wow, they're look, looking at those things. They're seeing things that way. They've moved their body this way. Like, oh, for me, sometimes it's just color reminding myself that, you know, color is, is okay. It's not, it's not bad because it's color. Right. You know, and uh, and I've I've loosened up. You know, I've loosened up. I'm glad that we are taking a moment away from all the interviews to just get together again. Cause Absolutely. It reminds, of, reminds me of why we do this a little bit. Absolutely. It, it can get. It's starting to snowball, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But you know, we're we're doing shows and we're booking guests on our shows, and it's starting to feel like a show. Yeah. Whereas up f- for the past quarter or so, it's just you and me getting together for breakfast and, right. and sitting around talking. Well, we actually do have a show coming up on the 18th uh, at Beta Brand on Valencia. Oh, yes. And so I don't know if we want to invite people to that. Please, can... you guys, get on Eventbrite to get... It's, it's a free event. We are interviewing Jude Allen, who is, a, uh, who is an amazing... Uh, kind of wild a photographer of the wild. He also shoots in San Francisco, less wild, I think. Uh, and right now he's in Japan, and I've seen some of his pictures on Instagram. And you know, he's he's got a great eye. He's seeing some cool stuff. N- maybe inexplicably, he's got three hundred eighty thousand people who follow him. So he has a lot to say about helping people understand photography. So anyway, we're interviewing him live at Beta Brand in a couple of weeks. So please come out if you're in San Francisco. April 18th. April I believe 18th. the show starts at 7 o'clock. I Get think there it's early. 6.30. Okay. I, then think they, I think we mean, may need to adjust our calendar. Exactly. Like, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, but get come, on Eventbrite, yeah. book your tickets, show up. We'd love to see you all there live. And you can meet Suzanne because that's always delightful. You know? <laughs> and you. Um, let's see. What else? So that's San Francisco people. Uh, we have a photo walk today. Not enough time to. This will not be out in time for you to make it. But we have a meetup group, and the meetup group is uh, San Francisco photo walks. Funny that I'm like leading photo walks now in a in a. There's th- we have uh, four thousand people in our in our meetup group, and we're going out to Fort Point today, which is my favorite spot in San Francisco to shoot. It's a Civil War fort under the Golden Gate Bridge, and I don't know how long I'd lived here before I even saw this thing. It's, it's cool. amazing. Have it you, is. It is so cool. I've been, uh, yeah, many times actually. Do you want to come like today? It. I unfortunately I cannot make it today, but I will try to make the next one. You say that sometimes, but yeah. I know. I I just sorry. Missed okay, that's right. I missed the invite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is great. Let, let, let's wrap up. Well, we'll thank see you, you guys later. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Ruben. Oh, yes, <laughs> Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com/podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments, and leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. We love to hear from you guys, and don't forget to subscribe. And remember, we get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, please send them a link. Thank you to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.